one. Fragments of silicon. Without it, it's just a bunch of wires. another installment of uh, Fragments of Silicon. I'm your host, Adam. Joining me, as always, is Drew, um, Ogre. We're the crew now. <laughs> I'm going to be the package delivery boy. You'll soon be the skeleton crew. I can't get through this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway, um, Petty Fan. Hi, I make the things work still. <laughs> Galax. Hi. And Twilight. Yo. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Twilight, you go first. I'm assuming. In terms of personal news, um, not much right going on around here this week. Weather's starting to feel like um, summer, though. And, um,. That this morning, me and my uncle changed the oil in my car. Yeah, that went better than most times. <laughs> Otherwise, been, been playing games for a show and whatnot, and that's about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Ogre, you're up. Hey, guess what we finally finished? Um, Final Fantasy here? 14. Exactly. We're done with Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, thank God. Let's flip my entire desk. <laughs> oh, it's not no. over yet, friend. They they released a nice trailer for that today. That's so that has so many spoilers in there, except for people who know how story works. <laughs> oh no! This thing we totally saw was going to happen actually happened in the storyline. Who could have oh called my that? God. So how does it feel to be done with um, Color Splash? Uh, I actually needed a few moments when we, we were done. I think I spent like an extra hour over there, so it's just, uh... <laughs> well, that and the, that apartment heats up pretty badly, so... So it was less uh, and more melt? Yeah, more melt, too. Also didn't help. I still had the, that headache from Sunday as well. But now I'm stuck in this perpetual state of, oh, hey, that thing we were doing for for six months, six months, somehow six months, <laughs> is now finished. And, oh, shit, we got to think of new stuff to do. <laughs> Chrono Trigger, wait, what? <laughs> no, God, no. I'm starting to think we need to institute a one, a one RPG a year if rule. And this doesn't bear... This almost barely counts as an RPG in a lot of people's eyes. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that um, Xenoverse uh, 2 might be in the works for next year. Well, whenever my computer feels like running it. <laughs> it never ran, it never started, it didn't even get the startup thing on my computer for some reason. The big game. 
Yeah. It's not even that. It's just that it won't even go to the startup menu. I hit start and it just goes, eh. Oh, I'm like, and that's it. And I'm stuck here going like, did this cost money and I can't play it? <laughs> Which well, like, hopefully, it was a gift, so it's not like I have a receipt for it or anything. Like, um. Uh, which kind of leads me to the other thing is that next week, hopefully, sometime before the 16th, uh, we're going to look into doing a fresh install for my computer here because I'm going to get a new hard drive and just get Windows 10 for that. And mm -hmm. You know, I transfer your data over from your other hard drive, right? Well, if what Elo said is simple enough, yeah, it should be fine. I'm surprised it's just that one folder and you're done kind of thing. Oh, but. yeah. Though some games so, won't work right, so it's best for those ones just to delete them out of the folder and re-download them. You actually have to take the two hard drives and uh, rub them together really hard. No, do not do that. <laughs> yeah, which is why I'm not going to let Naka take the hard drive, because one time when we were actually taking out an old hard drive, to take it. to his house to double check it, barely out the door of my house, and oops, right onto the <laughs> cement walkway. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh. It worked for a bit and then went. Got yeah, I'm. I'm more surprised that it worked for a bit. Yeah, um, he's not allowed to touch them again. It struck itself on the corner, so it wasn't oh like God. it went flat, but. You're lucky you didn't pick it up and wasn't just a pile of broken glass inside of there. I I don't know why, but apparently I was the lucky one for a few moments. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take care of that, which means I might not be in time for the Microsoft stuff, the E3 thing, but My, I might, who knows. Yeah, Microsoft is um, Sunday. Is it Microsoft? I thought it was, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, it's uh, Sony... Sony. Yeah, Sony is on um, uh, Monday, but that's at nine uh, uh, Eastern. So, yeah, I might, might not. We'll see. It depends on how fast we record everything and take care of that stuff afterwards. Which, knowing us, it'll probably be an hour or two of dicking around and then finally recording, then an hour or two of dicking around afterwards. Well, have you uh, thought about what you're going to do next, or is that like? when you get there kind of deal. Uh, I know there's going to be a couple of small things. Well, it's Maybe like, a medium thing. It's hard to tell the length of it, but I have no idea what next thing we're going to do. Because I'm just at that point of like, this is the last six months and it's finally over. What the shit do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> You're in a game hole. Yeah, like, kind of. Is most I mean, most of my ideas have kind of fell by the wayside. It's like I was thinking, it's like I'd love to do Dragon Quest Eight, and then I went, "That's an RPG. Fuck that noise now." Well, I mean, I, I love Dragon Quest. We ain't doing another RPG this year. Yeah. Well, I suppose that you got like four episodes of that Homestar Runner game still. So. Yeah, there's always that too, but we'll. It's always working out the fine details for another time for us. Of course. Uh, so anything else? Uh, less than two weeks for Stormblood, yay. <laughs> and that's it for me. 
Okay. Um, Petty Fan, you go. Um, well, the eternal struggle with yard work continues. Oh, goody. This time I had to use a chainsaw. Yeah. Is Do your you get... yard just the house from Jumanji when the jungle takes over? If I let it. <laughs> but watch out for those flowers that shoot poisonous uh, barbs. But yeah, the part of the problem is because I hurt my knee, I hadn't really been able to keep up on the yard work. Mm. So it hasn't really been touched much since October of last year. Did you get another citation? No, but we are trying to avoid that because since my dad had to have a hemorrhoid removed, he doesn't have any um, time off to take to help me, so I would have to do it all by myself at once. And I would seriously probably end up hurting my knee more, and we don't want that. Because if I do much, this more is game. really starting to border on a comedy of errors, or weren't more of a tragedy of errors. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's one of those. If I hurt my knee much more, then surgery is probably going to be the next option. I don't want that. Um, other than that, I ordered a new mouse because mine is finally starting to give the ghost after about six years. So, I have, I think it's called a Razor Lance Head coming in. Because, yay, coupons. <laughs> razor Lance Head? Yeah. Most badass sounding snake ever. Shout to say, that's an Lance head. mouth. Yeah. So, that, it had, I just ordered it this morning, so I should have it by next week, I hope. Nice. Um,. Aside from that, I got my phone, I guess, replaced after my previous one boot loop, so that's been fun. We've also been looking into what we can do when we upgrade in November. We're looking into going to Galaxy S8s, but that depends on money at the time. And aside from that, I think I'm done. Alright, um... Well, uh, Galax, you're up. I also have some car woes. My car uh, apparently failed its inspection because of some weird internal oil leak or something that uh, isn't too bad, but apparently it's very expensive to fix because it involves, like, taking out the engine to get to the spot where it's... Anyway, we're oh. seeing what can be done about that to not be super expensive. <laughs> Good luck. Um... But that's stressful, and work has also been stressful because they're rearranging the office significantly. But, you know, that's how life goes. As is life. Um, not much interesting involving video games that I've been playing lately, aside from stuff for the show, but uh, uh, there's been a lot of interesting news, so I've been enjoying looking forward to some things. Duly noted. Uh, anything else on your end? Um, not really specifically, I don't think. Hmm. Like, alright, I guess it's my go. Sorry, I, I'm not a very interesting person. It's fine. I find it interesting that some of you claim to be playing games for the show when, um, 
I don't see any gameplay time on the games for the week for certain people. Like, well, the ones I played last week were most of my time, aside from I know. a little bit of noodling well, around with my 3DS. Well, it's also it's because one is a cow clicker and the other is a um, broken... Uh, just a broken pile. <laughs> we'll be getting that on Sunday. Well, I'll, again, I was mostly talking about the ones for last week. Ah, there we go. I haven't even been able to play Breath of the Wild that much. Ah. Well, um, you know, Z uh, Zombidal Remonstered, you just kind of leave open. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can click on it, sure, but, you know, the clicker game it kind of automates itself after especially once you get higher up there anyway uh let's see speaking of car trouble my mother had some a bit of that uh, is it this week or is it last week um like one of her tires um went flat mm -hmm. so that would you know uh, i mean it could have been worse could have been a catastrophic failure I'm like, actually, it turns out it was a lot worse than um, expected because her car um, needs special tires, mm. like um, like very specific tires because of, of the build of the car. Like, and it's also the tire couldn't be fixed beca um, because they, uh, it, it's like... It, I think it's because of the like the chemical bond or something like that. For whatever reason, like when the tire goes, it goes. Um, the ultimate point being, it ultimately cost her a hundred and seventy dollars for a tire. Hmm. That's a lot for a tire. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of worse though, but that's still a lot for a tire. Yeah, th th there's worse, um, but that's you know that, that that's one tire. So, needless to say, she was not happy about that. No. But, you now everything got fixed, so... Um, hooray for that. Uh, let's see. Fucking rainy season started, so it's been humid as fuck around. And, yeah, I think that's the proper term for it. It's like, it doesn't even, it's not even that hot. It's just, it feels like you're in a never-ending swamp. Uh, let's see. Um, well, if you missed the news beforehand, uh, we got a extra special episode of MSP coming up. Uh, more on that at the bottom of the show. Um, I think that's about it as far as news goes. Um, especially since we started a bit late, so we gotta, we kind of have to keep things rolling here. And uh, that means moving to the interview portion of the broadcast. And this week, we have Richard Nava of uh, Happy Badger Studio. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Um, you know, game is out in, out in the wild, uh, and so... You know, we've been working hard, making sure updates are, you know, fresh and clean, making sure everyone is getting the game properly. Uh, right. It's been quite an exciting few weeks, really. Um, 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 we'll 
we'll get into that um, a little down the line. Sure. But first, um, we like to start things by getting to know the person behind the game, behind the studio, behind the everything. And we nice. do and we do that by asking, uh, how did you get interested in video games in the first place? How did I get interested in video games? Mm-hmm. Well, um, for Christmas, when I was four, my mom got me a Game Boy Color. And I like to say the rest is history. I mean, it's my favorite, uh, it's my favorite art form. And that, uh, that obsession and passion drove me to uh, want to, you know, pursue a career in game development. Uh, and so when I went to college, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to have gone to a college where game design was offered as a, as a program there, as a major. Um, and I just went for it, and I wanted to know, you know, what the ins and outs of game development was. Uh, I mean, I've been gaming all my life, and I really wanted to be able to create experiences for audiences uh, that delivered, you know, not just a fun experience, but also like a good message. Because I believe that, you know, it's an art form that isn't fully realized yet since it's so new. Um, but I got, I came into contact with Happy Badger um, during my history of video games class. Um, the director of Smugglecraft um, and of Happy Badger in general, he, he was uh, the professor. And I was a, a sophomore at the time. And he brought in an early, early version of Smugglecraft, uh, just a beta test. And this was for the very last day of the class where the whole class voted on what was our favorite games that we played and learned about. And so we played them. And he also brought in Smugglecraft for anyone who wanted to try it out and join and I loved it. I thought it was so fun. It was very different, um, which is what I liked about it. It was very unique. It was like a new take on the genre, on the racing genre. So, you know, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, you know, I'd like to learn more about it. And so we ended up adding each other on Facebook, and I kept asking questions about, uh, about the game and stuff. And uh, finally, when I uh, after I had some experience already in the industry, um, I kind of went up to him and was like, hey, you know, I'd like to help Smugglecraft be even better. You know, I, I believe that I can, I can help it out in an exponential way. And you know, he asked, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I, and I knew that Smugglecraft it needed a good community. You know, it, it has fun multiplayer. Uh, a lot, a lot of the best parts of Smugglecraft are seen through multiplayer. So I said, "Hey, you know, you got to have people knowing what it is." So I'd, I'd, I'd love to help out in that area because I wasn't. I wasn't the best at hardcore coding and game development yet. So uh, he said, you know what? I'd love to have you on board. And so for the past year and a half, I've been uh, been helping out on Smugglecraft, helping that game, you know, get off its feet. Ah, so you're fairly new to the industry then. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, working professionally in the industry, I'm pretty new. I've only been doing so for about two and a half years. Uh, this is... Happy Badgers is the second uh, video game company I've worked for. No, what was the first? The first uh, was Pixel Press. They are also um, a St. Louis-based game development company, uh, and they they make a game called Bloxels, which is really cool. They um, 
it's a uh, it's a physical game at first where you like build it's it's a game where you build your own video game. So you take your tablet, you you build a physical version of the game on a board, and then you take a picture of it with your iPhone, iPad, or whatever tablet you have, and then it becomes a playable uh, a playable game on whatever device. Um, and so I did community development and quality assurance for them uh, first as a as a community development specialist, and then um, I wanted to be more, you know, I. Because it's more of an educational tool, and but they were great. They were really cool. Uh, but Happy Badgers, they had uh, Smugglecraft, and they had that whole indie vibe, and I kind of want to go for that. Hmm. Um, right. So uh, how many people have uh, been working on Smugglecraft for the past year and a half? Yeah, we got a core team of five. Uh, so, um, But we have... Uh, we have been getting help from uh, many other artists. So right now we have uh, Ben is our director, uh, producer of Smugglecraft. Uh, it's sort of his main vision. Uh, and then we have Dana, Dana Huth, our um, level designer. Uh, she created the track pieces, um, a lot of the art in there. And then uh, we've got TJ, our technical artist, who helped model all the ships. Um, and helped with the programming as well. Um, and then we've got Joey, who was our lead programmer. Uh, such an awesome guy. He, yeah, no, he's our lead programmer. He's he's up in the thick of things in that Unity engine, doing all of that crazy coding. Um, and then we've also got uh, Ben Sawyer, who was our uh, who was our cinematic artist. Uh, Caleb, our uh, our narrative design. Um, and then Mark Strait, our sound designer. So, oh, and um, and Phil, uh, Phil's our he does all the awesome music that you hear going on when you're racing. I'll so, have, yeah, I'll have to take your word on uh, that measure because I don't think anyone here has played Smugglecraft yet. Not yet, not yet. Okay, cool. Well, I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, usually we um, we get codes for these things, so. Like, but um, shifting a bit, uh, why is the game called Smugglecraft? Uh, yeah, I, uh, when I first are, like laid yeah, my sorry. eyes upon it, uh, sorry. No, no, no problem. Um, Smugglecraft. You you play the role of a smuggler, mm -hmm. um, and you drive a hovercraft. Uh, it, it the the game the game uh, the name sort of uh, came to Ben. Uh, when you're just smuggling and you're driving a hovercraft, uh, he thought it kind of rolled off the tongue easy, you know, smuggle craft. It kind of sticks in the sticks in the brain a little bit. It does, it does. It's just when you hear a name like that, you're you're kind of expecting, well, um, Minecraft clone. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> like. like I, I, you do make your own ships. Uh, there, there is a crafting element uh, where you take credits. Um, and uh, w whenever you get payments from your, from whatever uh, jobs that you take in the world of Dural, uh, you could use that to upgrade and buy new ship parts. Uh, so there is a little bit of a crafting element. Um, but yes, it's a hovercraft. You, you're driving hovercraft as a smuggler, taking jobs and whatnot. And um, what, what sort of materials are you smuggling? Is it 
just like contraband or contraband information it 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 varies between uh so there are three main factions of the game uh with a few sub factions um and you choose which uh which factions you want to take jobs for um in between smuggle runs and you know they're they're the rich and then they're the poor and then there are some of are the re the rebels that you know sometimes are transporting weapons or food and then there's the rich that are sometimes asking for a ride from city to city, or sometimes could be uh, you could even be smuggling uh, organs, uh, or sometimes contraband. Yeah, some recreational substances, uh, things that you know sometimes you might you're not allowed to have in the world of Dural. Uh, so it's really anything, you know. It's a it's smuggler's choice. Well, I suppose another question in regards to the world of Dural is, um, is this a kind of an Orwellian place? Like, uh, are you dealing with a police state or, um, it's is definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a police state. Uh, so you have the three main factions, you've got the Oros, which is like the rich, uh, the powerful, uh, they sort of have their hand in a little bit of everything. And then you have the laborers who, uh, they're always, you know, they're they're always working uh, for the Oros. They, they kind of get they got the short end of the stick in this society. And then you have the rebels who see that this society is not the way it should, and that definitely there are some people who are taken advantage of, um, and they're fighting to overthrow and change the governing power. Um, and th th those are the three main factions that you can take jobs for. Um, and then you build your reputation with each, with each one of them. You can betray them on smuggle runs. Um, and the choices that you make will dictate whatever ending that you get. Uh, kind of reminds me of early uh, GTA games. Early um, GTA games, yeah. Yeah, okay. For those who, ha like, um, those who haven't played, say, uh, GTA 2 or GTA 1, like... Um, you were usually aligned. Uh, you could align with one of several factions, and you know, you'd do jobs for them and increase your reputation while simultaneously uh, having your reputation decrease with the other factions. You right. Trade them and all that stuff. I assume that's how Smugglecraft uh, works here. Yeah, yeah. So if you, you know, if you take more jobs with laborers than you do the Oros, uh, they're not going to see you as a as quite of an ally, so they might be sending bounty hunters after you during smuggler runs. Uh, same thing if you betray them, like if you choose to take a contract and you betray them, you might find a little more obstacles along the way when you do other jobs for other factions, so. Now, I, I've seen this uh, called being, I've seen this be called a racing game, but is that, is this strictly speaking a racing game or a driving game? Driving? Yes, uh, so driving would be um, more for the single player, uh, but the the heart and soul would be in the multiplayer, and that's where you're racing. Um, and also, in I mean, in the single player mode, other smugglers would see you, and then they can ask, you know, hey, I'll race you for some money, um, and you can, you know, you could accept some races, and you can win some, you can lose some. It's um, it's really up to you when you take jobs. Uh, but the heart and soul is in the multiplayer racing. That's where, personally, I think it shines the best. Uh, so we put it under the racing genre, first and foremost.
Hmm. And um, in regards to the online multiplayer, uh, is that, uh, okay, first of all, do you uh, race custom vehicles there or are they presets? Right now, it is presets. Uh, we're just getting, giving people, you know, a, a good feel of the controls because when you race online against other people, it does, you know, there, there is a, a new sense of difficulty. Um, but uh, soon we will have uh, custom, uh, custom built ships that you can uh, bring into the multiplayer. So when you craft your ship in single player, all the ship parts that you unlock, all the ship parts that you buy, uh, when you upgrade your ship, you'll be able to bring that into multiplayer to race against your friends online and locally. Hmm. And um, how many people can join a race? Eight. Yeah, you can have up to eight online um, or four locally. Hmm. And um, does that uh, like does that affect performance in a in any measure, like, uh, especially locally? No, it doesn't affect the performance at all. Uh, you still get that smooth, uh, that smooth hovercraft racing feel that you'd get with the single player, um, w whether it be online or locally. Yeah, good to know, good to know. And, um, are there, uh, are there any weapons in the multiplayer, or is it strictly a is it strictly racing? Strictly racing. Um, some parts have stronger that can uh, can give your ship more, uh, stronger durability. Uh, so, for example, like if if you want the heaviest, most durable ship with the most shields, um, it might you know take away from your speed. But you'd be able to crash into other players or force them into uh, various obstacles within the map. So there are some offensive measures you can take, but there isn't. Uh, you know, dedicated offensive parts that can, you know, that can, like, for example, shoot other characters. Uh, but uh, when you're on the field, when you're smuggling, uh, there are authorities in the game that can come after you uh, if you've done something illegal or did an illegal job. Um, and they, they can have weapons. They, they are legally, they, they're able to have weapons in this world, and they will shoot you if they see you. And uh, so w one aspect we have yet to talk about is, well, the tracks themselves and the fact that they're procedurally generated. Yes. Um, what was the impetus behind that decision, you know, to have tracks that are, well, you know, random? Yes, yes. So the randomly procedurally generated tracks... Uh, what we find in a lot of racing games uh, is when you play it a lot, something that can happen is you get bored of the tracks, simply because you know every twist, every turn, and some you know you could you could take that as an advantage, um, but it can get stale at times, and we didn't want that to happen uh, in Smokecraft. We want, we wanted every race every job you took to feel different, feel fresh, and feel new. So instead, we came up with uh, procedurally generated tracks. Um, so every race you do uh, would feel new. You would have to always be on your toes. And oh, it, it was more about adaptability. Um, 
or adaption. You, you know, you, you have to adapt to the world around you uh, to every new twist, every new turn, uh, rather than, oh, it's this track. Okay, I know after this turn I got to do this, and then there would be a jump here that I could take, and that would mean it's I would get there faster. Um, we, we wanted players to have a fresh new experience with every mission, uh, no matter if it was a delivery or um, a towing mission, because uh, there's numerous delivery missions, but no no mission would ever feel the same if a track was new as well. Hmm. That's certainly an interesting spin on things. And um, uh, how is the randomization elements implemented? The randomization in the tracks, uh, it's placed in the tracks and also in the, uh, the jobs that appear as well. So once you take a job, you arrive at a new city, um, and then you know every city you go to, there could be three missions available, there could be five missions available. Um, that's randomly decided, as well as uh, what kind of missions and how much they were willing to pay. Um, so those are all random as well. Interesting. And in terms of, like, well, let's call them opposing forces, uh, are there, like, boss-type enemies in this game? Or, you know... Um... There aren't boss-type enemies, but there are key quests. Um, so in the story, there are pivotal points in the story, like large deci decisions that you uh, would have to make. Um, and then whatever decision you choose, that will branch off to wherever uh, that story or your story will lead you. Um, and those uh, um, key quests are what dictate heavily uh, the direction of the story for the ending. So... Uh, not bosses per se, but more so key pivotal points. And in terms of endings, are there like three endings or are there more? Um, more. There are m uh, more than three endings. I'm not liberty to say, uh, but uh, yes, there there are well over three. Okay. Um, and uh, how is the music created? Well, we had a uh, we had a vision for like an '80s synth pop. Mm -hmm. um, that was uh, our music, our our our, uh, our our music composer. Uh, he kind of looked at the art and kind of felt that kind of vibe with it. Uh, he he sent over a track to our director, and he's like, "I like it. It's got this like '80s synth pop vibe." And he goes, yeah, it does, doesn't it? I think I'm gonna go with that as a theme for the rest of the track, for the rest of the tracks in the game. Uh, so he kind of just went with it, and whatever he felt uh, went with a good race, or you know, because we also have night missions. Uh, because time of day changes depending on uh, how many races you've done prior. So you know, he, he came up with night themes, midday themes. Um, so yeah, it's got a it's got a good '80s synth pop vibe, mixed with you know heavy adrenaline racing. Hmm. And um, in terms of consoles, why was the PlayStation 4 uh, selected? PlayStation 4, uh, you know, it's a good console. We uh, we all are PlayStation gamers, um, and so we we 
we got into contact with them, and they're, Sony is amazing to work with. Uh, we we we've loved working with them for the past you know, uh, past three years, um, and you know once we get our dev kit, we we just loved working on the system. Really, we we like the feel of the controller, um, and you know I personally have been a PlayStation guy, uh, so and I believe so as our lead programmer. Uh, but you know, it was more of just a preference than anything. <laughs> I see. Um, was there any attempt to get onto like Microsoft system or a Nintendo system? Um. Yes, there there has, and uh, we can uh, we could say you could definitely keep an eye out for an announcement. Sooner than later. Ah, that tease. Mike. <laughs> um, so we're coming up on time here, so just a couple more questions. Sure. Um, outside of the multiplayer stuff, uh, customization stuff, what else is uh, upcoming in terms of uh, patch work uh, for Smugglecraft? Patchwork, uh, we are fixing small bugs and updates as they come. Uh, and first and foremost, we are focused on multiplayer. Uh, we want to make the multiplayer experience as smooth as possible. We are a small team. Uh, so, you know, one small bug does mean, you know, a little more work than, you know, your average AAA. So we are we're trying best to, to fix up all the kinks as possible. Um, we do have a few new... Uh, new updates and new ship parts uh, up the sleeve that you can definitely expect to see soon, uh, as well as uh, possibly a few new game modes. But we are uh, we're focused mostly on bugs and that uh, and that uh, announcement that is uh, coming soon. Hmm. Right. Um, we'll see if my colleagues here have any final questions for you. I think everything I was going to ask has been already answered, so. I'm good. Um, I'm sorry, I might have missed, I probably did miss it because I had to go uh, take care of something because my parents are going out of town this weekend. Um, sure. um The aesthetic of the game was definitely a deliberate choice, it looks like. Uh, <laughs> was that like to go along with the music style or... Was that just what you wanted initially, or? Yeah. So our, yeah, it's a very, it's a very unique style. It's got that, you know, that low poly feel. Uh, the, the music and the art definitely fed off each other, but the, the low poly vision was first. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the composer played the game before he composed the music for it, uh, but, um. No, yeah, it was it was sort of a uh, it was our it was our artist uh, Dana and TJ's uh, sort of move to go that low poly, uh, crisp and clean with bright colors. Uh, they mm -hmm. just thought it looked really cool, and you know, not you don't see a lot of low poly racing games out there, and we definitely wanted to be unique and uh, kind of yeah switch switch up the genre. So that's why we kind of, that's why we went for it. Okay. All right. Um, I think that'll about do it.
Um, so um, uh, thank you, Richard, for taking time out of your schedule for being uh, with us this week. Oh, no problem. This was awesome. This was very fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, the game is Smugglecraft. It's available for the PC and the PlayStation 4 um, for $14.99. Uh, it's uh, for Mac, Windows, and Linux. So um, you can play it on your computer platform of choice. And it might be coming soon-ish to another console near you. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Petty Fan, play us to the next segment. Welcome to the topic of discussion for the week. So, we had one of those last-minute change-ups because news happened. Um, yes, much, much news. Yeah. Oh, man, well, change-ups. Yeah. Well, it's not so much what has happened, it's what has not happened. Or I suppose it's a little of both, because what we're talking about is Nintendo and its relationship with third parties. Because this is perpetually a thing. It's been a thing for many generations now. Like, um, so I suppose the, you know, like, um, the big point of contention, um, in the grand scheme of things has been FIFA 18. Yeah. And for those of you on the, um, Twitch stream, I'm putting up an article. It's, uh, it's the Polygon article about this. Yeah. Yeah. So. If you recall, EA kind of stopped making video games on Nintendo platforms there for a while. Like, um, as did a lot of uh, companies because, you know, the Wii U um, sold like shit. And, yeah. you know, cratered pretty quickly. So everyone's like, nope, not making any more games for that dead zone. <laughs> you know. So, you know, this is how we get situations with, you know, um, like, um, for example, Take-Two has said, you know, they'll support the Switch selectively. Like, um, I'm assuming that means, like, you're not going to see Red Dead Redemption 2 on the platform due to various factors. One, it's not going to run on the Switch without... A lot of changes. And two, it's got an always online component, and we're not exactly sure how how that's going to work on the Switch. There, there isn't a game on the on the system that's always online yet, to my knowledge. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think Splatoon kind of might be, except it's still going to have a single player component. So, Possibly. yeah, Splatoon won't be always online. I I don't I doubt it. No. But like they're bringing a they're bringing a version of NBA 2K uh, 18 to the mix, and from all eyes, you know, from, from everything we've seen, um, it appears to be you know a version of NBA 2K 18 that's coming to the Nintendo Switch. I mean, it's not going to be as um, graphically intense as say the PlayStation 4 version because you know it's weaker hardware. You know, this is something that 
you know, is always going to work against Nintendo. Mm-hmm. If only the GameCube didn't fail as hard as it did. Yeah. Uh, I'm like... <laughs> uh, 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 but... It, it, it does look like it's going to be the same version that is on the, uh, even on the advanced platforms. And so that gets into the contrast with um, FIFA 18 here. Um, first of all, we got got to address the name because I'm like, the fucking messaging on this has been insane. Like, because it's literally bounced back and forth twice between names. Um, it started off being called FIFA Soccer for the Nintendo Switch. Um, and then it was uh, called FIFA 18. Then, like, two weeks ago, it shifted back because it's going to be, like, a different version. But now it's FIFA 18 again. Because, um, you know, consistency is overrated, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it needs uh, a I'm clear like and concise brand message, right? I'm like, what do you even say to that? Like, um, you know, even EA can't keep what this is straight. Like, and it's no wonder people are, like, people are getting upset over the um, version, you know, version on display here. So, um, so as it stands, uh, FIFA 18 for the Nintendo Switch is not going to use the Frostbite engine. And this is kind of important for another reason. It's because uh, all of EA's current-gen games are powered by Frostbite. So... If the Switch... Having one that isn't is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's like, if the Switch isn't getting the, a version of the Frostbite engine, that means... Um, don't expect a version of like Star Wars Battlefront or Battlefield or you know any of uh, of the other possibly uh, any of the other sports games. Although, granted, you know those also have like legacy editions. But you know, not having the Frostbite engine there actually uh, kind of really limits what EA can do on the platform. Yeah, and it's either they don't have enough faith in Nintendo to, you know, for the Switch to be viable for them, or they just don't have the resources to put towards making a Switch version of Frostbite. It could be both. Now, you know, but part of the problem here is, you know, by taking a wait and see approach, um, they kind of, you know, they kind of put themselves at risk because. Well, the you know the fucking Nintendo Wii, um, you know when that did you know when that became the biggest thing in the gaming universe for a time, you know third parties were jumping all over themselves to get onto that platform, mm -hmm. you know and they they had to admit that they you know they kind of mess you know they they misread the room when it came to the Nintendo Wii, now in a lot of regards as it turned out. You know, but that's another story for another day. You know, the, the point of order is the Nintendo Switch is doing quite well. You know, 
Nintendo is trying to increase the production. Like, they're looking to sell, I think, like 18, 20 million uh, units this year or in a year, something like that. The point is, they're trying to sell a lot of Nintendo Switches. And, you know, there's going to be an audience on this fucking console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you can understand why third parties would be recalcitrant to support the console. Um, because, you know, it's not just um, connecting with that audience. It's like um, they have to compete against Nintendo themselves. But I'm like, I cannot, like, I, I really want to shout at the fucking third parties of the world and say, don't fucking treat the audience with contempt, you fucking morons. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, stop with the fucking test games. Literally, the audience wants to throw you money. Let them throw you money. Yeah, if you want to sell something... I got why not just like put out your thing that you think will do well and not your thing that you're like uh don't want to commit your thing that will do well to a thing for some stupid reason. Yeah, or 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 worse, you know, saying if you know, if you want popular game Y, you got to buy product X or you know, you might not see it. Oh yeah, that that thing they did with that one Tails game that was like Yeah. Although that was for localization rather than console thing but still the same idea applies yeah it's like no third parties this doesn't engender yourself to the fucking audience it's like if you have a good product they'll buy it if they think it sucks they it won't. seems like they're generally just unwilling to believe that people actually want what they say they want okay. and you need to prove it by buying something that you didn't particularly say you wanted first well it's also because they want to half-ass it. You know, they don't want to put in the effort. And then they want to, you know, blame um, people for not buying the shitty-ass version of the, the, the game that they put out. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, and, yeah, no, no. It, like, there, it's certainly understandable that, you know, you can't bring the latest and greatest to the Nintendo Switch, to Nintendo platforms going back all the way to the Wii. Like, Nintendo just doesn't play the power game anymore. Um, and that's gonna, that's gonna restrict them in terms of software. That is a fact, you know, that, you know, that just needs to be accepted. You know, until the day that they start, um getting back onto the cutting edge again, you know, they're just going to miss out on some stuff. You know, they've also got audience and demographic clash. You know, Nintendo audiences are at least perceived to be a lot more family-friendly than, um, say, Microsoft or Sony. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is why we see a lot more kids' games, family games, shovelware, what have you, than you know, other, pla you know, other platforms. But you know, it doesn't excuse developers for missing easy money. And that gets me to fucking Capcom. 
Like this is a this is a publisher that just outright astounds me because, quite frankly, they should have known better. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, uh, I'm referring to the fact that you know, Capcom hasn't exactly been the biggest supporter of the Nintendo Switch. I would argue that they haven't been the biggest supporter of any console lately, but sure. Well, there are reasons for that. Um, Capcom made a lot of bad choices, and so they don't have a lot of money Mm -hmm. these days. But, you know, it's like, What I'm getting at is why, why, dear God, why has the Mega Man Legacy Collection to the Disney Afternoon Collection, you know, you could, uh, why have these compilation packs missed the uh, Switch? You know, um, shit, wh- where the fuck are the, you know, some Resident Evil games here? Like, you know, it's not. Like, you don't even have the cheap and easy stuff ready mm-hmm. to go. And here's the thing. Like, it's um, very apparent that Capcom needs the Nintendo Switch a lot more than the Switch needs them because um, their stock went up a lot when they finally announced Monster Hunter Double X for, uh, for the device. Mm-hmm. Because Monster Hunter has had a pretty strong history of success on Nintendo consoles, I think. Right, right. Or particularly Nintendo Portables, which the Switch still is half. Yes. Um, Monster Hunter Double X is actually seen as a really good pairing in Japan, for obvious reasons. You know, and it's cross-compatible with the 3DS. And actually, yeah, it's a great version of for the... uh, you know the switches. You know, bring it to hang out with your friends thing, because mm. yeah, Monster Hunter it, is very much multiplayer, if not massively so. I know is, you can. I know you can play it solo, but it helps. Point is, it's expected to um, sell really well on the console. Yeah, uh, especially since I don't think Monster Hunter Double X did well on the 3DS all that much. Yeah, a bit hazy on the numbers. But it's definitely anticipated on the, um, uh, you know, on the marketplace. You know, certainly a lot more than another fucking version of Street Fighter 2. I mean, I do have to ask, what the fuck is, what, what is this Ultra Street Fighter 2 business? Like, why this? Why, like, this is the well, kind of thing. you see, Adam, people really like Street Fighter 2. Yeah. But this is the kind of thing when I'm talking about a test game. It's like you dust it off an, you know, an old ass game that has had more a... ports than I think there are years Earth has existed. You know, you, you slapped on some new gimmicky modes for the new console. You know, you, you put in like a new character. You know, okay, you, you put in the bare minimum, and you know what you fucking charge forty bucks. Street Fighter 2 Ultimate, now including Goken's teacher. Yeah, I'm like, fucking hell. Like, 
if this game doesn't chart, I won't be surprised because nobody wants to pay 40 bucks for fucking Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to find out that you were incorrect about that, but you could be correct. I'm like, well, keep in mind that this is based off of a version of Street Fighter 2 that went for 15 bucks. Yeah. yeah. The only thing new I think in it is the Hadoken thing. Which, that's not worth an extra $35. The other new thing is Violent 10. Yeah. Which yeah. is the equivalent of Evil Ryu, right? It's Ken, yes. with, Ken with the uh, will to kill Hado thing. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Exact. Like, this, like, this, this is what I'm talking about. This, this is like you're you're testing the waters with an overpriced port of Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Like and you know I I think I saw an article saying that you know the level of support on the Switch would depend on this um particular Yeah, not not the best choice. Yeah, it's like uh, how about you do that with like Monster Hunter Double X because I'm pretty sure this is a game the audience actually wants, especially in Japan. <laughs> Call it a hunch. But I mean, yeah, just this kind of thing needs to stop. It's like, don't insult the audience and then be surprised when they don't bite. Um, because they don't want any of their any of your shit. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially when you had a whole bunch of other games you could test the waters with. Like yeah, fucking like, Disney Afternoon. Yeah, I'm like, shit, yeah. I mean, you've dragged uh, Resident Evil 4 onto every other platform. Why not this? I mean, mm-hmm. shit, uh, like Resident Evil 4 was like one of the games they tested the Wii with, and that sold a million copies. But, you know, that, that was also due to other factors, like I don't think, you know, like Resident Evil 4 hadn't been ported to like every system in the universe, you know, in 2007. 2000, uh, and it's also, the, you know, the Wii pointer controls actually um, complemented Resident Evil 4 quite well. Some people I, I actually consider the Wii version of Resident Evil 4 to be the definitive one. Um, I can see that. Well, it's like. So, uh, though some will contend that the pointer controls actually make the game too easy because your accuracy ta- you know, you're a lot more accurate with the uh, Wiimote than you are with an analog stick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's just exasperating now Uh, though I do want to like delineate between that and something like say Minecraft coming to the system, like you know Minecraft is hitting the Nintendo Switch because Minecraft comes to everything mm-hmm. and it's popular on everything. And you know Minecraft. Oh, I was gonna say, and also Microsoft's not allergic to money. Yeah, it's like it's also you know Minecraft um, actually kind of benefits from being on the Nintendo Switch. It's it's the best portable version out there. Mm-hmm. Now, 
like I forget exa exactly in terms of resolution, but I know it was uh, like you the Minecraft and the Nintendo Switch displays more. Um, it's the aspect the, ratio. It's better than the Vita or the mobile version. Not just that, but uh, like the Xbox 360 and the Wii U versions. It's better than that. Yeah. It's not as good as the PlayStation 4 um, or, or Xbox One. And certainly not as good as the PC version because mods. Well, obviously. Uh, you know, that just kind of went without saying. You know, on the other hand, you, you know, there have been bad ports like Dragon... Like, if you want to see how technology can really... Um, fuck with the port. Um, go look at Dragon Quest Heroes one and two. Like, it like it took a hit on the on the Switch. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm like, um, Digital Foundry has a pretty good vi video on how gimped the um, Switch version of that that particular package is. So, you know. It, I suppose the overall point here is, um, you know, it's not always lazy devs that cause um, that cause problems with um, multi-platform games on Nintendo consoles, but you know, sometimes half-assery does happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that needs to be admitted as well. You know. Like, I'm not saying EA isn't putting the effort into FIFA 18, but, I mean, they've, been, they've gone about it so bizarrely that um, they couldn't help but piss the audience off. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, then, I think that'll about do it for uh, this discussion. Yeah, probably. All right. Um, let's see. So first up, coming up next on Moonhawk Studios presents. Um, I believe we. Well, we've, we've certainly announced it before, but if you missed it, um, we will be speaking to the incomparable Richard Epcar. Um, he's done a ton. Uh, he's done a shit ton of voice work in both video games um, and cartoons and anime and all that stuff. Um, you probably know him best as Bato from Ghost in the Shell or Jigen from Lupin the Third. You know, um, I would say Jonathan Joestar, but that Stardust Crusaders hasn't come out yet. Yeah, isn't that like next on Tuna? <laughs> um, okay, Ogre, you I go. I was going to yell at you the other day for that, but it's Joseph Joestar. Jonathan was the first guy. Whatever. But yeah, isn't that like next on Tsunami's docket? Adam, you awesome. have to get your JoJo straight. It's a crime not to. Well, not in this country, fortunately. <laughs> Yet. Give Ogre time to get into office, right? Yeah, that's not something you should look forward to. Anyway, <laughs> Adam. I'm like, what about Jonathan? Yeah, no, we were, uh, that was the end of the conversation. We were throwing it back to you to finish up. Oh, anyway, so, so yeah, he's done a ton of voice work. Um, we're breaking format for that, so, you know. Um, 
if you wanted our news for the week, um, this is, this was a program for it. I was about like, to say you might want to hit the rewind button. Yeah, it's like Max. Well, Max said he was the only one who was going to do news this week mm-hmm. uh, to keep it under half an hour. Now, because it turns out when you have seven people um, blathering on about the week, it it takes some time. Indeed. Like, but uh, the week ahead. Um, well, geez. So, first of all, Sunday reviews. Um, so, first of all, we've got X Field Pinball 3. Uh, pinball, Paintball. I wish it was a pinball game. It might be better then. Mm. Possibly, but yes. Uh, we were hoping that this game would get better this week, but. That appears not to have been the case. Unless they have an immaculate patch by Friday, this is going to get canned. Mike, well, we we still, we literally have an obligation to do this game, so. Like, March on. Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, I saw a quick play was available, and that's two on two, so we can still do that, apparently. Mm-hmm. But nothing else is working. Like, I can't I even change the resolution to be able to record the game, so... No. We won't be live-streaming the Friday play session on that. Unless something uh, miraculous happens. You would really think in this day and age, being able to switch between full-screen and windowed mode would be kind of standard at this point. You would think, but... but... Life is hilarious sometimes. <laughs> And the other game is Zombidal Remonstered. Um, it's a zombie-themed uh, cow clicker game, uh, recently ported from uh, you know, mobile devices. Like my initial impressions, well, it's actually a pretty reasonable clicker game. Like m- more on that, you know, on Sunday. And so, I suppose the other big news is, well, next week is going to be a special um, time, because next week is E3 week. Yay. Yeah, so, that means all the big... can I get milder with that? Yay. (laughs) I ain't sharing, because we've got to work that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How many... Specials? Do we have planned three? Three, but it could have been a lot more because oh, yeah, yeah. It's like we're not covering the EA conference. I'm like, I suppose we might be able to cover Bethesda and Devolver Digital, but that's like, eh, that's like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that like, would be a spur of a moment's thing, depending on who's awake. Yeah, I'm like. Uh, well, then, maybe if the conference has lasted eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the, you know, the PC gaming show is um, Monday afternoon. Yeah, I won't be able to attend that one, so. Yeah, Ubisoft is uh, Monday afternoon, late afternoon. But, yeah, the, the big three are Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo happening Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And we will intend to cover those. Yeah, I will try and set up events on the Twitch thing and see if I can get that working. 
but I guarantee nothing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won't be available on Sunday, but I should be able to be here for the other two. And um, Wednesday is going to be a bit of a break for us in terms of content. Um, because, well, Pettyfan, why don't you tell them? Alright, since getting a guest for E3 is usually difficult, I decided to get Draconis Gamesteam. We had him on MSP a few weeks ago. And basically me, him, and Ogre and Twilight are going to be talking about Final Fantasy XIV. What we thought of um, Heaven's Word and kind of our hopes and dreams for 4.0. And maybe I'll bitch about you about MMOs and why I like Final Fantasy but wishes the MMOs ones weren't numbered. Hey, trust me, that's the thing I got too. Ever since 11, Nock and I have been really... This is 11. It can't just be Final Fantasy Online. Yeah, I'm just really bothered for the people who in 20 or 30 years are going to want to play. Hey, I got an idea. Let's let's do a marathon Let's play or playthrough of all of the Final Fantasy games. We can't. The servers for 11 and 14 went down half a decade ago. I'm going to throw that one out the window because private servers have been popping up for 11. Yeah. So. Okay, well, that's something. Yeah. Anyway, Petty. And I was just going to say, basically, that's going to be our night. Yeah, Adam's going to be hanging in the background. <laughs> Trying to keep a stool and a rope away from him, but... I don't know what interpretation you want to take with that, but I'm pretty sure either one is valid. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, next week's Adam's night off. I, sort of. I'm going to be honest, out of all the people who need time off, outside of surgery and stuff... Probably Adam. <laughs> well, it's like I'm the one who has to do the interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just kind of how the job goes. I, but I'm like, we're, we're probably going to have more commentary on E3. Like, probably not a full yeah. wrap up, but you know, uh, keep in mind, you know, when we broadcast, it's going to be like the first or second actual day of E3. Yeah, and usually we do our full wrap-up the week after, for those of you who are new to the show. So, well, I think that's about, you know, that's about it for the week ahead. A bit longer than usual, but, you know, it's a bit more involved than usual. This so, is like the gaming Oscars, except nobody gets awards and nobody cares about that shit for gaming, so... Yeah. They're trying with the Game Awards. Yeah, they're trying, but I don't see that shit sticking to a dartboard. Duly noted. All right, well, until uh, until the next time, I wish you good gaming. Okay, and we are in post-show. <laughs> All right.